aside from being a media scholar and an activist, uh, how do you keep your hair long? And why are you the only person I know with long hair who gets away with expressing ideas? <laughs> why do I keep my hair long? I tried it once. I liked it. I kept it. And I know the answer is deeper than that. <laughs> I think it's evolution and progress. Mm. Mm. So the moment that the first moment when the people went to the streets, mm -hmm. it was a protest, mm -hmm. a simple protest. Mm. With it, we something started like something flashed out of the darkness, which I will refer to now as the collective awareness. Mm -hmm. It's where people started question all the social norms or the political norms it's a revolution as much as what happened in a historical moment in May 68 May 1968 mm -hmm. where the French uh, modern where modernity was born after that mm -hmm. in Lebanon it's not only a political movement anti-corruption movement mm -hmm. it's a movement of various sectors of the community with the various requests but they're changing the pattern of behavior i think the patriarchal society is at stake we have the women being the leading movement in this movement we're talking about young young people the millennials and the z generation mm -hmm. who've been leading this who've been uh, concerned about what they learn at schools and how this is going to help them find work and their future. Mm -hmm. It's the um, revolution of the uh, poor people who can't uh, fund their uh, basic uh, needs in living from education, food, clothing and, and uh, hospitalization. Mm -hmm. So this is back there. And then you have the middle class and the upper middle class who've been being destroyed by all of this uh, corrupt system and corruption is not only stealing money but yeah. it's like a system where the rule of law is no longer there right. it's the intellectuals and the activists who've been frustrated by the worst year in the record of freedom of expression in Lebanon yeah. the, we had leading news anchors have been questioned newspapers has been taken to court, uh, stopping uh, activists and uh, journalists on their tweets or uh, social media posts. So it's accum accumulation of different things which exploded yeah. in the terms of evolution. And I'm saying evolution and progress because each day things uh, change because yeah. uh, two days earlier before the assassination of Ala Abu Faraj, who now considered to be the martyr of this revolution, mm -hmm. and before the, I cannot, I cannot describe it. The the speech by the president, where like it was an insult for each and every Lebanese, and an insult for our intellect, of our dignity, even as any official say he just asked us to leave if we can't see, if we don't like him, we can leave the country and 
migrate somewhere or emigrate somewhere. So it's an epilogue because now the demand is throwing out the whole system. Yeah. It's no longer changing a government or an independent government. Now we think that this parliament won't work for us. Yeah. We need a new parliament. We, need, we don't accept that this person who's in Baghdad now is a president anymore. So we are uh, shaking the system. As well, we're shaking the basis of the Ta'if agreement, which was a split of power. It was a re uh, redividing the power among the Lebanese sects. Now we're talking as if we're redividing the power to the Lebanese public, not the Lebanese sects. For the history in Lebanon, it was always it's a sectarian culture where each sect is led by its leader and the, and the, the fight or the, the conquest that's happening is between the leadership for this, the, the part of the pie. Now, it's no longer that. It's the people demanding, no, we don't, we want you all out. We need to talk about a new system. And that's why it's, it's moving towards a revolution. You know, I think you, in, in, in a nutshell, you pretty much eloquently described every issue that is touching the average protester. And I was going to ask you if the economic burden was, in your opinion, the catalyst. But it seems like this is a three decades build up on every issue possible. And that it's corruption that has affected every sector of society. So yeah. it's not just a, we can't afford it. It's more than that. It's almost a dignity that's been at stake. Yeah. Mm. I'm not saying that the economical factor isn't a key player. Mm -hmm. But I'm, not, I'm saying it's not the sole player. Right. And what's new in the economical factor is that now we're going to bankruptcy. So it's not about if you have money in the bank or you don't, right. or you have lands and properties in the country, yeah. or you don't. It's like having them or not having them, it's going to be pretty the same because you can't use them, yeah. you don't have access to them. That's a major part, but that's yeah. not the only part. Mm. Because the key trigger, in my opinion, for this revolution was indeed the fires that happened few days before the 17th of October, and I think it was day 15th, you know, 14th I, and 15th. Just, yeah, but so that's interesting. You think the fire is the the big culprit, that that is the... Uh, I think it, it's, it, it was the point of this big shift. Interesting. Yeah. See what happened. The government, with all of its arm, were doing nothing. Yeah. yeah. And the people were trying to do the work. And they even said it to that effect. Yes. Like, we cannot do anything. Yeah. They said they can't do anything. Yeah. So they cannot fix the planes, right. uh, the helicopters for putting off the fires yeah. because they cost $450,000, but they can't pay a million dollars for a president to go in a nonsense trip to uh, New York to the, to the uh, General Assembly of the United Nations uh, with, like being, with having the biggest team traveling with the highest budget. Yeah. And... But the, the more important part is like, so the state failed and the citizens of Lebanon succeeded. Right. At this very second, a member of the cabinet tried to go with the cameras to claim that this, it is his work doing this or his party's work doing this. There was distributing expired water bottles to the 
activist and then he, there was a clash and how did they deal with it? So he went into television the same night with the worst attack on racist, gender, masculine attack on one of the MPs. Yeah. And they just act, that second day, the key activist in all helping put off the fires mm -hmm. was taken to question by the police yeah. because she attacked the minister. So. This was a point yeah. where people saying, okay, guys, stop it. So in other words, one more insult and it's impossible to go back. Yes. And really the WhatsApp thing was not well, the issue, yes. but, it, but it just it, tipped it over. I think it wasn't the WhatsApp. It was that the first time after the fires uh -huh. and after the fact that there was no liquidity in the market, we're having right. a fuel problem medical problem, lack of medications, the currency and fluctuating. Uh, currency having yeah. for the first time of in history of That's Lebanon, yeah. black market and normal market, yeah. and the government meet, and the only thing they do is they add more taxes. And they even are taxing things that practically they can't tax, yeah. like free voice over IP uh, communication, which is the WhatsApp or yeah. Viber or, or any other form of things, which is like, Man, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and I thought we, you, you were going to try to sort the problem, try yeah. to see how we're going to work on catastrophes, do positive thinking. Yeah. This, this, all of this together brought people to the point that of no return. Right. I remember talking to one of my bankers the same day. Which day? The, the, the 17th. Oh, so the during the day, during right the day, before, the, before, yeah. before. I think that was the last time. I think a lot of people yeah, spoke, spoke to the bank. <laughs> and he was telling me, don't you think that it's time for people to go to the state? Mm. Mm. So that's a banker. Yeah. Telling me. Yeah. She's a friend, but only a banker, as you know, in Lebanon. Sure. You have this odd relationship, odd relationship with the people you work with. It's yeah. friendship. It's people. It's a small country at the end of the day. And she's telling me that it's time for people to go to the States. Yeah. And she was very, she's very sincere and she's saying, we need to do something. Uh -huh. I don't want to accept what my husband is trying to push us to do is to leave to Canada. Interesting. She doesn't want to leave to Canada. She wants something to happen. You know, I think that's a very symbolic moment that the banker is telling the citizen please revolt because yes. none of us can cope exactly and in a way you you're describing also a, a shift from the recent attempts at reform or even revolution the role of the media and for me and i think we're pretty much around the same age we're a little older than the tech geeks that we see yeah we're fairly new to instagram and facebook but we we're we're aware we're the social media migrants. We're not we're not we're not the prime users. Definitely, and we're there because the bulge is there now. Mm. But I was watching the fires not on TV. I was watching it on my phone, yeah, and I was refreshing Twitter. And this is before the uprising began. Um, in the last few failed attempts, the president trying to deliver a message that seems so not just out of touch, and you said it also, it's almost insulting, but that it's, it seems like it's from the 1960s. 
where you have mm. a, a leader and a token journalist or two, a quickly edited piece, and it's thrown out. And then you have someone like you, and I've seen you in the last few weeks in Samir Asir Garden, with a camera, with a group of people, doing what the media may not do well, the traditional media, which is really focusing on the average citizen and their grievances. Why do you think there's such a severe disconnect? Because that's not, I can't point the finger directly at corruption and say they're corrupt, therefore they're out of touch. I don't know if there's a line there. No, no, no. I think, I think it's more of, they, it's more than that, because mm. they missed this social revolution part. Why mm. did I describe it to May 68? Mm. Mm. Because if we go back to May 68, it wasn't only a revolt about, again, French students revolting against the educational system. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. It was a moment in history where norms were changing. So they don't understand the fact that this is a social change. They cannot understand that people our age we're not, we're, not, we're, not, like, we're not in the... We're not the millennials. No, but... We're, we're not the old people. Exactly. We're, we're the middle. We're something we're in the middle. The middle, yeah. the middle. Yeah. We are more in, in touch with, with the people on the streets because we like to do that or we are part of this. Mm -hmm. But even when we talk to these youngsters, we cannot stop them from blocking a road or we cannot push them to block a road. Right. We talk to them. Yeah. Maybe we can uh, convince them that burning tires is not good for the environment, it will make it <laughs> not good for your health. These are things that we might control, yeah, but yeah. the people in power in Lebanon don't, still don't believe that this is a random movement. This is a evolution. You really think, um, now we're 28 days into it, that they're still unaware? Yes. That, that's interesting. They, so, so really disconnected. They, they talk about having a leader. Yeah. I think the president, in his last speech, catastrophic speech, when he asked, he cannot understand the fact that there's no leader for this revolution. He was sincere. Because he cannot understand what's happening in the States. Right. And I think right. yeah. that because of this statement, nothing else, mm -hmm. because of this statement, mm -hmm. he ceased to be a president of this nation. Mm -hmm. He cannot be a president of a nation he doesn't understand. But what? I mean, okay, so he, he cannot understand right. what's happening there. It, it, it does simply. It's not in his dictionary. Mm -hmm. He opened his dictionary. He searched his encyclopedia. <laughs> he searched, but there's nothing like that. Yeah. Yes, it's the millennials in the states. It's the women in the states. It's the middle class and even the, mean, the small bourgeois of the, time, of the country, right. in a country built around medium and small-sized businesses yeah. who are on the streets. But you know, you're pointing at something very important, which is even those token journalists mentioned that. And one of them, I believe, said, this is a revolution. That's what a revolution is. There's no leader. And it seemed like he was so un un unable to process that. It's like, if there's no leader, there's no revolution. Yes, exactly, because yeah. what Nicholas said in, in, in his yeah. question, he, said, he, he asked that. Yeah, it was a very straightforward... Uh, he's more yeah. of in touch, he, he's seeing what's happening, yeah. he's online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and I don't think that the president is. Yeah, and that's interesting. And okay, see what they are doing. They are still trying to find a way to reinvent themselves in a different government. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, I know, you know, we don't know, we sense, let's, uh-huh. let's be more politically correct. The people are, they won't accept this. They won't accept the reshuffling. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. And the people of Lebanon aren't stupid. And the generation that we saw, thought that don't care, the iPad generation, <laughs> apparently, not only in Lebanon, and we are missing that point, I like you said iPad, not iPhone generation. You've made it even more news-oriented. Uh, <laughs> that this same generation yeah. started a worldwide anti-global warming movement. It's, it's not something that's only happening here. You would link this frustration to, to global issues? Or, or the grievances? No, no, no. I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking about the grievances. Right, I'm right. talking about the... the pattern of behavior uh-huh. these very young people mm-hmm. in their teens mm. who s- suddenly woke up and said no no it's our future yeah. these the peace people in power who won't be here in 20 30 40 years yeah. are messing with now, we're gonna stay here for 50 60 70 years right. and what you're messing is our future it's not your future it's our future and that, that's very important in understanding the people. That's u- almost a unique lining up that the Civil War ends in 1989 or thereabouts. And 90. this 1990. And the global warming issue is really the last three decades. Yeah. And the Berlin Wall fell 30 years ago as well. It's almost like a moment that's stuck in time for us, but people have moved on yeah. in other ways. And I wanted to just, in terms of numbers, the average age of the protester I see sometimes could be early 20s. Yeah, it is. Even though you do see grandparents showing up, you see our generation, but often I feel like I'm the oldest person. in, in the, the active part yeah. is the younger generation, and, and yeah. they are dragging their parents into yes. this. And I wanted to ask you the, the fact that, let's say the bulge is there in the late teens, early 20s. Let's say that's the most passionate, mm-hmm. the most physically passionate. Do you think it's also that they did not see our failed attempts? They're not inclined to give up because we have tried to a certain degree to affect change. We did to a certain degree, but we didn't accomplish our goals. Mm-hmm. Do you think cynicism may play a role in our generation, but it doesn't play a role for them? They don't know the war, or for that matter, they don't know what we tried necessarily. This is a fresh slate. I remember if we're talking about people who are 20 years now, mm-hmm. there were around five, four, five, six years in 2005. Exactly. So that's not part of their memory. Right. So they're, they don't, they, they've heard stories, but they don't really... Yes, that's stories. Yeah. Plus, they're not, the, they're not the war generation. Right. So they have nothing to do with the war. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were born end of the nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. So yes, it is. They they don't they don't have the connection. Right. They know that we failed, because we didn't continue. Right, and we. And that's something that's been I've heard like tens and tens of times. So. That 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 we. Because yeah, we yeah, yeah. Continue. Stop! Stop! Stop preaching us. <laughs> 
Yeah. If you were more smart, you could have continued. You you wouldn't have led us to do this today. So right. they are aware that they are trying not to do our mistake by stopping. Yeah. And that's why they are not going to accept uh, mediocre solutions. Mm -hmm. So their expectations may be higher than ours. Yes. And that's why for the people in this in the political establishment in the country, mm -hmm. they need to learn how to deal with these people because it's a generation where someone like Ala Abu Farash, yeah. who is a politically committed person in the Progressive Socialist Party, in the PSP, who went online publicly criticizing the policies of his party, asking them to leave the government, to yeah. be in the streets, not to attend uh, the, uh, the parliamentary session. Uh, so, there's a new group of people who, are, who were with these parties, not only independent historically or who didn't care, even who were with these parties, but they just left them. Right. They looked at this party as, as part of history, not as part of the future. Yeah. And I think this is a changing point in, in every sense of the politics we know in Lebanon. And I think this revolution is create, will create a new scenery that might not be clear for us before a few years now to see how it will develop. But I truly believe that the system that existed in Lebanon between 1990 and 17th of October 2019 cannot continue to exist. And your conversations, when you're listening to the audience at Samir Asir and you're hearing people vent their frustrations and calling for change, do you sense that this, this moment has within it the political tools for change. Definitely, and, yes. Now, let me ask you, and this is a subjective question, what, what would you want the average protester to do to translate this momentum, which has now, I mean, it's taken up a lot of people's patience and they're tired. And I think people are not sleeping and they're, they're watching their banks with very, uh, it's almost like a disturbing reality that we're going to crash regardless of what happens. So there is a hesitation there and there's a natural yearning that people do lose patience. It just over time, it, it, 28 days is taxing for any population. What would you like to see on the ground materialize so that this does not, even if the street calms a bit, that the power is translated to something else? And I ask very broadly, is it municipal voting? Is it parliamentary elections? What I, I think now we need definitely a, a new parliament. Mm -hmm. And when you say that, meaning fresh election? Fresh elections. Okay. We need these people out of power. We need all of them out of power. We need to reinvent the leadership in this country or the political establishment uh, in a total way. Um, the way that we have never thought that there's a deep state in Lebanon. What do you mean by this? The a deep state is, is a political term saying that 
the, the state, the government is not only, or the parties in Lebanon are not only being in the, in the cabinet, but they are uh, deeply rooted within the establishment, within the, within the ministries, within any, okay. any system yeah. there. Mm. It's, we start realizing that they are deeply, deeply rooted everywhere, yeah. and we started technically breaking these roots. Mm-hmm. Why are we calling for an election with an independent government? Because mm-hmm. we think that if the, these are these are not political parties, these are. Sorry, you mean the the protests? No, no, no. no. I'm talking the the political elite. You're talking government. about the, cla- the yeah. 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 These are a service. Provi- they are a service provider through a corrupt system. <laughs> That's interesting. So when this will stop, <laughs> yeah. they will lose power. When they stop providing services, yes. meaning when they they themselves are bankrupt. When they no, when they're not in power. When they're not in power, and we've seen that to the to much of the political establishment pre seven nineteen seventy five. Mm-hmm. When they were no longer in power after the war, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they lost the grounds. And mm-hmm. this is going to happen. Or I'm not saying that they will be zero or won't have like a seat in the parliament. Well, they would be very small powers. Right. And this includes everyone, with the exception of Hezbollah, which will continue to have its complicated military money ideology part. But, that, but the, even that group will be smaller and smaller day after day can i can i just interrupt you here because that's a question that i often feel that there's a reluctance to get too deep into it's almost like a big elephant that people see and realize and don't really want to tackle but you you mentioned it and i i want to just ask you the fact that the average protester is not pointing the finger at hezbollah they're pointing the finger at the system do you think that is as much of a threat to that party than people challenging their weapons directly? I think this is a more because I, I more yeah. uh, it's a bigger threat than pointing the finger mm-hmm. because pointing the finger will create a partisan split. Right, right. For the first time. In the, in the modern history of Lebanon. Hezbollah is perceived to be part of the corruption. Right. Which they did very hard to not before. But now they Later. are. They are, yeah. they are in two levels. Yeah. First, much of the leadership is part of the corruption. Yes. From the MPs, the member of the cabinet, uh, medium-level leadership, etc., etc., then that's one part of the problem and the other part that they are protecting the corruption due yes. that to that serve them yeah. today we're not the the question of the arms of hezbollah the iran uh, saudi american uh, fight yeah. over this over power in the region is not the concern of the lebanese public Right. So technically, we're not concerned. So the just the sheer fact that they are being challenged via the system is yes, itself. And I, a, I, yeah. I, and I think that that's more threatening for them because now yeah. they're no longer the what do we call them? What's the term for that? Like the people with the 
very clean hands or they they're no longer they're no longer gods now they're people that's interesting so they're they're whatever they're symbolic no thing they had has been shattered yes. They're part of a corrupt system, and they should go with the system. But the ideals you're mentioning, which is a really ushering in a new era of leadership and politics and and clean economics, how do you how do you project their reaction to that? Because that is a group that has worked very hard at solidifying something which is not which is a very unusual situation, a heavily armed group that is not directly involved but indirectly, at times steps in when it needs to, doesn't at times, and has preserved its special status against the will of many people. Yeah. I think Hezbollah today cannot, will cease to exist without a, a Lebanese cover. Clashing with the Lebanese public, and it's not clashing with future movement mm, or mm, mm, mm. LF or BSB. Mm-hmm. It's clashing with the Lebanese public. Mm-hmm. We'll leave them naked and exposed. Right. Which is something I personally believe they cannot bear. Right. And uh, the consequences would be very, very high cost for them. That's why I said that the president's last speech is not, I think Hezbollah even was not happy with it. <laughs> that it, I, it yeah. really was. Uh, even even yeah. though that he's like trying, he was begging their support, we cannot leave them, they're the third of this population, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in reality, that's not what they want. And in a political context, we see that they're pushing that they want Hariri to come back because Hariri will provide a kind of political, political cover yeah. for them. No. They don't want to go for it. Mm. They could have done a, a cabinet without anyone else. They can have a majority in the parliament. is is this space where we can develop more a common vision. Not agreeing, not, we're not talking about people who agree on everything, but at least to have a wider knowledge about things, to discuss, to hear the concern of each other. And this will, this is a clarity coming from the street. And you see yourself as, in a way, being able to bridge the frustrations of the people with a larger audience. Yeah. I think I think not myself. I think the people are doing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are, what we do, we everyone in the team working on Hackathon is doing. We're just playing a catalyst role. Right. So we are the facilitators. You've been there. You've seen that. Yeah. We might talk sometimes, but it's an open space. We we accept people to present their ideas. We don't necessarily agree with them. Yeah. But we put directions to that, and the fact, the symbolic fact that's happening in that particular space with the study of Samir Asir is that I, I, I practically think that it's, it's the right place. It's, it's Samir's vision of uh, creating this change, this people being aware. Yeah. Uh, he believed that the power of the people, he was fascinated with the people. Uh, and... I think if he was here, he would have been doing this. I completely agree, even though I, I mean, I think your relationship to him is far more profound and you, you've been heavily invested for a long time. 
I was lucky I met him briefly by chance two days before he died. And I think my whole commitment to Beirut and the tour I give is an honor to him. And I always end the tour with words that he left us with. Just looking up at your wall, you have March 14 and you have Samir Asir. And the two are, they go hand in hand. My memories of March 14 were two things. It was imagery like that, the flags and the euphoria. But there were names, and I knew them. It's not just Samir Asir. No, there were so many names. So many names, and then among them, of course, you had fellow and that's journalists. Why we did, and, we that, had, and that's why we failed. You think we failed because oh, yeah. the names were visible. Can I? And I, and I, I I'm curious this about is, this. This is yeah. something that I promised myself that I'm not going to discuss in any near future, but I would say the names didn't were the reason why the evolution that we started in 2015 couldn't 2005. be gone, 2005 I'm sorry was not successful in mm. beyond its first objective even though those people had a lot of passion persuasion they pulled people in you think the ultimate I, I, th I think the problem back then is that the people who were in the streets in 2005 mm. were mm. sincere. Mm. Few names were great, mm. but the political agenda for some were, was, was more powerful than us. We felt that. Mm. We lived that. Some of us wrote about that. Some of wrote, go back to the streets. Yes. You go back to the clarity. Yeah. I'd like maybe we can say yeah. That was his answer to all the political games played behind the people. Clarity, clarity, clarity. That's why I understand why there should never be a leadership for this revolution. Mm -hmm. This is a revolution that doesn't want to be sold by for the highest bidder and that's why we cannot afford to have leadership it's a revolution based on talking you can see that the talks yeah. we started i think we were the first to start to talk like two days after the revolution i saw you guys there i think on saturday yes saturday so, yeah. it was a saturday yeah and then this went viral people started doing talks all around the world. yeah and and I'm really happy, I'm going to interrupt you here, that you were able to persist despite the temporary violence. And we saw that, where yeah, yeah. you had sort of a microphone being yes, smashed. Yes, but we floor. continued. You continued. Yeah. Yes, and that's part, th yeah. that's part of us talking, and that's part of what we believe. Yeah. In, in the history of this country, there was very good attempts. Even when the country was divided into 8 and 14, there are people who went to say, okay, so let's talk with other people. Let's see what their fears yeah. are. Yeah. Let's talk behind that. Mm -hmm. And that disturbed everyone. Yeah. And I remember how disturbed people were. Mm -hmm. Disturbed to the edge of violence. Yeah. And we had... And killing. We had brief violence. We did. We did yeah. have violence. Yeah. And the fact that you can talk to the other side... Mm isn't good. Today there's no sides. 
Yeah. It's people versus political leaders, people having power. Yeah. And I think that the only way around is to go into a transitional period followed by a parliamentary elections. Based on that, we can reform, re, uh, reinvent our government. Yeah. And I think in, in, in any democratic country, this would have happened like uh, two weeks ago. I think uh, the fact that you're using Samir Asir for the right reasons makes people like me and the average person who used to walk by thousands of times and see it empty, now seeing it full of discussion, to me that is part of the imagery I will remember years from now. Separate from Tripoli and Nabati and these split screens on TV where you see potentially half the population, I will also remember Samir Asir. And uh, I go by Martyr Square for other reasons, for personal reasons. My father is buried there. I'm so happy to see people sitting there, talking there, openly discussing politics where it should be discussed. And Samir Asir is next to Martyr Square, which is all the more relevant. He's just there. He's looking over, and I think, I agree with you, I think he'd be smiling today. So, thank you for your time. Thank you. Someone like you has long hair, I can get away with it. Yes, yes, yes. But I need to know why you keep it long. I can't, I, it's too personal <laughs> and it's a kind of saying a statement. I don't want to be like others, I'm myself. And uh, this is, a, as an activist, as who wants to say, I, I, the system, the traditions are not necessarily true and you can, you can, be, you can be a university professor or a consultant mm -hmm. or, a polit or someone working with politics, you can go with on TV and with a very clear statement that this is how I want to look, which is not the traditional way, but that doesn't change the context and the knowledge or, or basically the, the the value of the person if he's not a mainstream. And I think it's a statement against mainstream. I hate mainstream. I think also long hair uh, breaks down barriers when it comes to at least politics because people, unfortunately, they assume a suit and tie means there's an element of knowledge, which is false. Yes, and definitely. I, yeah. Y y you know that <laughs> th th this, is, this, is, this is part of the problem. Yeah which is having a title yeah. or having being uh, shaved in a, in a suit and a tie and makes, yeah. makes you more of an intellect. Absolutely. You can be full of something. And freedom of thought or free thinking, I think, allows you to get away with certain hairstyles. Yes. And one of them That's is our common be, hairstyle. Yes. yes. So the, 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 being, a, being a social liberal is definitely... Yeah. You can do whatever. But I think... I think this is this is a kind of statement, yeah. <laughs> and it is a statement. It yeah. is my statement. It's my statement, and to the, to, to, to the point that with time, people started accepting that. Yeah, 
you are inser- you are asserting against their will. Yeah. Yeah, and you win at the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It takes time. Yes, yes, definitely it took yeah. time. And then uh, it took time when people would warn you, are you going to cut your hair right. to the fact that, no, no, please don't cut it, that's you. <laughs> you know, for better or worse, I think that's how people recognize us. It's the Yes, of definitely, hair. definitely. Yeah, it's so part of yeah. remembering someone with a guy with the long hair. And as, I think as long as you're darker than me, we will not be mistaken for yes, each other. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's <laughs> but, but, but imagine, imagine that... It's part of freedom. Mm. I shouldn't judge you by how you look yeah. or if your hair is long or short or how you dress. I should yeah. basically, I shouldn't judge your point, but I would, that doesn't change how, what your knowledge or your power or your intellectual power yeah. or even your value to society. And I think these are good things we do to break stereotypes. I fully agree with that. And for anyone listening with long hair, don't cut your hair. Please don't.